Hello and welcome to the Dewpoint Report with your host, Margarita. If you were paying attention yesterday, there was a presidential debate of 10 of the leading Democratic presidential candidates. While they aren't all of the presidential candidates that are running under the Democratic Party, they were the 10 that qualified for the televised debate. Three hours long, this particular debate ran through a series of topics which covered health care, education, gun violence reform, climate change, tariffs, immigration, student loan debt, and universal pre-K. That sounds like a plethora of topics, and it certainly was. And the candidates very much held their own. There were moments of slight discord that soon were overcome. And each candidate, in their own way, were able to answer the questions distinctly, succinctly, and poignantly relay their particular policy and what would make them stand out as a candidate. Who were the candidates? Let's go over that and ever so briefly. They were Vice President Joe Biden, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Kamala Harris, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, Entrepreneur Andrew Yang, Senator Cory Booker, Congressman Beto O'Rourke, Senator Amy Klobuchar, and former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Julian Castro. That's right. 10 candidates, and each of them, as I mentioned, talking about what was important. So I'll begin at the end. I know, I know what you're thinking. Why the end? If it was three hours long, does that mean I only tuned in at the very end? Which is what most people think is not a good thing to do, which is open a book and read the ending. No, I did actually watch the whole thing. But I think it's important to uh, go over what was said at the end because anyone who was able to stand through a debate, well, if they would have needed to sit, that would have been perfectly fine. But if, in this particular instance, if they were able to continue to make their points, which is what I was trying to say, they were able to make clear, poignant comments and responses for three hours, and if at the very end their points were still clear and concise, then that's what we should look at. So beginning at the end is important. Among the last questions was how have they dealt with setbacks in their life and how have they addressed them? And well, some of them got a little a little bit emotional in the process of the answer because anytime we go through setbacks, anybody 
whether you run for an office of this nature or you are applying for a job or you are beginning a new chapter in your life, you often get asked or you often have to relive a particular setback in life because you suddenly realize you're about to overcome another obstacle. So we begin with as President Joe Biden, what was one of what were one of the poignant things he said? He mentioned that in his family, his particular father had said, never explain and never complain, and that for him, family as a center was everything. He talked about particular tragedies he had been through that reminded him over and over again how the walk through life can seem very long. And he mentioned that although he felt that what he had been through was quite difficult, there are many people out there in the world that have been through a lot worse than he has, and they in particular are the real heroes. Senator Elizabeth Warren reminded everyone, as she had commented throughout the debate, that all through her childhood, she had always planned on becoming a teacher. And she did become a teacher. And there was a point in her life where she was not rehired to be a teacher, to continue being a teacher. And so she had to rethink her particular mission in life and what she wanted to do. So she went on and became a lawyer. She didn't practice law very long. She went back to teaching and what she felt was very important. And now she feels it is in her wheelhouse to continue to fight back and try to fix things that are needing to be fixed in American schools. And that was actually seen throughout her comments in the debate. She often referred back to schools and teachers in her background. Senator Bernie Sanders, he talked about having grown up in rent control in a rent control department in Brooklyn and coming from a very disadvantaged background to becoming the governor of Vermont by a margin of 10 votes and how difficult that was and how difficult it was for him in life also standing up for things that were very important and taking on special interests and he felt very confident that given his lifelong record of what he has done, that he can continue to fight against corruption and greed that exists in the world and in the country. And that he can somehow get that greed to work for all of us and not just for the 1%. And those were his words. Senator Kamala Harris, who was also the former state attorney general of California, said that there were times in her childhood where she was told that it could not be done, not by someone like her, and that perhaps much of that strength of her wanting to overcome those stereotypes came from her being raised by a single mother, who told her, not to, let, not to ever let anybody tell her who she was, but that she should let others tell her 
Oh, wait, I'm getting this incorrect. Her mother would tell her not to let anybody tell her who she was, but that she should let others know who she was. And that it was that strength from her mother's advice and upbringing that really made her the person that she is today, fighting for others. Mayor Pete Buttigieg, also a veteran of foreign wars, talked about part of how you can win and how you know you can win is knowing the distinction between the two. And for him and his particular campaign, it isn't about this president that's in office currently. It's about the people who trust individuals they send to office with their lives, knowing that there are so much people go through on a daily basis, be it tragedies that exist in our country or other things that happen in their lives. And they send people to public office via election, expecting results things to get done, and there is an impetus that happens. There's an onus on the people that go to Washington to get things done. And he feels the pressure of that through this campaign. Entrepreneur Andrew Yang. He talked about the struggles he went through as an entrepreneur and how he failed in some of his business ventures. And there were people with him along the way who continued to believe in him despite those failures. And that had he not been through those, he would not be in the responsibility and position that he is in today. Yet, even with that, the goal of his campaign is to make it easier to live in this country because of everything he has been through. Senator Cory Booker, he very clearly denoted that his setbacks have been very public. In fact, they have been detailed and depicted in a documentary entitled Street Fight, where he took on tenants' rights in his own neighborhood. And what he walked away with from that particular struggle was the importance of trusting people and the power of the people and the importance of uniting under a common cause. Congressman Beto O'Rourke talked about his recent experience with the tragedy that happened in El Paso and meeting people and survivors and how as they told about what had happened to them and in meeting people that had survived. You could see and you could hear in his expressions. He had witnessed the resilience of the individuals he had met. And because of that, it was reflected in many of his statements previously, earlier in the night. Amy Klobuchar, Senator Amy Klobuchar, 
talked about her father having gone through alcoholism and a particular DUI that he received and how that affected her and her family and everything they had gone through and how in the office of the presidency we had to have somebody with grit who could be stronger than those struggles and lead people precisely because of where they come from. Former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Julian Castro, talked about his brother and he who had worked at the same law firm. And there was a particular instance where the law firm had received a client who wanted to build a golf course, a golf course which was setting a precedent, potentially, for a particular controversial land deal. And because of conflicts of interest, he would not have been able to then vote against the deal because of his particular affiliation with the law firm. And so what he did is he ended up quitting the law firm. And he voted for the people he was there to represent. And he stated very clearly that as president, he wouldn't serve anyone but, I'll say it in his words, I won't serve anyone but your family. And he ended, thank you very much. And he's the only person on that stage that said thank you very much at the end of the night in the closing remarks. It was interesting because what he meant in saying that he would not serve anyone but your family, he was specifically saying he would set personal interests aside and would specifically represent the American people because as is required, a president, an American president, is required to represent the American people. Such that he was denoting that he clearly understands the responsibilities set forth for the American presidency. And the difficult decisions that often come with those duties. So that was how it ended. It ended quite powerfully with a level of understanding that all ten of these individuals truly did have a level of understanding of their responsibility. Now, what were some of the comments throughout that were made? Well, certainly they all had their level of understanding of the different subjects. They talked about... For example, Cory Booker said he would lead on the issue when he was talking about changes to gun control. He specifically said we must awaken a more courageous empathy. He would not make it a side issue. He would make it a central issue. 
and Andrew Yang talked about returning the dynamism to the country to the point at which it was as dynamic as it was under the Obama-Biden administration. He also talked about giving $1,000 a month to a certain amount of families that they could write into his campaign identifying ways in which they could solve their own problems, which was interesting and different. And that's a bit of how he opened his statement. And it threw many of the other candidates for a loop. They didn't quite know how to readjust their statements because perhaps they didn't have something quite at the same level to respond back to it. However, it was definitely unique, and no one else quite the rest of the evening had something of that nature to respond back with. He also was the only candidate that talked about his website. Twice. In regards to health care reform, Senator Amy Klobuchar stated that she co-sponsored the bill that Senator Sanders kept referring to of Medicare for All, and though she gave him credit for the work that he had done on it, as did Elizabeth Warren. And though he kept saying that he wrote it, she said she actually read it, and that it was actually the Klobuchar-Sanders amendment. And what it ends up doing, it actually puts 149 million people without private insurance over a certain period of time. And so there are some gaps in the process that she did have some concerns about which she accepted once asked in a dovetail question by Stephanopoulos. And the conversations about Medicare for All did take on a bit of depth because they began to talk about who ends up paying for it truly. And where does it begin to cover some and not others? And the expense of it, in terms of conversation, was had mostly between Biden, Warren, and Sanders, in terms of their plans. Sanders saying that his would cost about $100 billion. And... Biden saying his would cost about $47 billion. So there definitely were discussions monetarily about what these particular plans would do. There were concerns about which plan is more effective than the other. Biden talked about reinstating many of the provisions of the ACA, also known as Obamacare, ACA being the Affordable Care Act, and then adding a public option to go with. 
but he did say the pain for it would is important and that's then what ensued the conversation about no really then how is that going to be paid for so there was a bit of a cyclical conversation on this in that they started to realize you really have to start to get into the details of this if you're going to start to talk about it because it truly does affect many individuals at all levels and it isn't just a conversation that can be had at talking points. One thing that Mayor Buttigieg said about systemic racism, he said there has to be a systemic approach to dismantling systemic racism and he began to propose a comprehensive plan. It's important to note he called it the Douglas Plan, but he said it would be similar to the Douglas Plan, but if it was similar to the Douglas Plan, then my concern is he didn't have his own plan. And then he went on to, to actually talk about a plan, but he didn't call it his own. So that was one concern that I would have. Did he have a plan or did he have a Douglas plan type of plan? And I didn't write the details of his plan because I was distracted by the fact that he called it a Douglas plan type of plan. And then they talked about the fact that there are three bills on Mitch McConnell's desk which actually provide gun legislative solutions, gun violence prevention legislative solutions. And they include universal background checks, they include the fact that domestic abusers should not have access to guns, and then also gun licensing requirements. And then they went on to talk about the importance of gun buybacks and whether those are effective or not. So there was an important conversation there. They also talked about immigration reform and the importance of immigration reform as, as it relates to whether or not they would continue on the DACA provisions. One particular candidate said that they really recommended that all the DACA-protected students should become... American citizens immediately, given what they've been through. And it was interesting, as Cory Booker was talking about, that the filibuster is really what ended some proposed legislations previously. So. If the filibuster were adjusted, then really there would be the ability to pass more legislation, more effective. And on environmental matters, there was a great deal of time also spent there in terms of climate change and the importance of climate change and how, and how really the country has to focus on climate change and cannot ignore the international needs of climate change. So in, in brief, those really are some of the large-scale 
items that needed to be looked at. As you can see, though, many of them held their own in terms of comments, and I was surprised. There weren't any individuals who truly didn't answer the questions or were not prepared. Each of them were prepared in their own way. While there were some individuals that uh, perhaps took a little longer to get to the answer, uh, I was surprised at the fact that the, at the beginning when the rules were identified, um, they were told that they would have points taken away if they went over time, but never did I hear someone tell somebody that they had to stop speaking and then they had points removed. There was no uh, actual moment where somebody was told they had to um, have points removed. Nobody was told how many points they had. Uh, so it was quite interesting because the, the point system was identified, but then it was never actually discussed there forward. And the additional thing, too, was that in previous debates, People were kept to time a lot stricter, and in this debate it was more fluid. And perhaps that is what allowed those discussions to take place, where people were able to speak amongst themselves and in a more open way, almost develop policy right in front of everyone watching. So while the comedians in the late night shows may have pointed out some comical flops. There was much more to the debate. There was actually quite a bit of substance. Uh, there was quite a bit to talk about, and I could go on, but at 25-26 minutes, I think I've given you a great synopsis of the fact that they really they talked about so many of the topics. They talked about the importance of universal pre-K and why it is so important. Uh, there was a moment where they did talk about the importance of getting an education as early as possible and the importance of that, but they, they missed they missed some of the details as to the learning brain and how the learning brain develops. And, and so I, I think that while they may end up learning some things as they go through as legislators, they do realize that they don't always learn every aspect of what a professional in the particular field may know. And so they don't become subject matter experts in something. They just, as legislators, know as much as the experts before them at a particular moment on a particular subject are able to discuss. So that was quite interesting. And one example that I could dovetail to a point on is when uh, Senator Klobuchar mentioned that she learned when it, when it comes to social justice issues that um, she learned by learning from her constituents on several cases and trying to intervene and trying to change law that um, even with her 400 employee staff, it is actually better to allow the prosecutor's office to make the decision as to whether something should go to trial or not because they are the experts in the field. She gave several examples of several different cases of that she had helped on in terms of listening to the, the particular individuals and what they had been through. But what ends up happening is she learned that it, it is best to allow 
situations to go through the prosecutor's office. And the reason she gave that as an example is because they are the experts in their field. And the point is, in any field, on any subject, there are experts. They are subject matter experts. And while our legislators help with legislation creation and development, there are experts who work on subjects on a daily basis, and they are the ones that tough it out day in and day out. And so that was one of the most poignant moments, I thought, that if people did not notice that, it was it took a lot for her to say that. Uh, noticeably, it was a point that she made and then just went on. Um, but that takes a lot of skill, a lot of understanding, a lot of self-introspection. So that is where I leave today these important points about the debate for the presidential candidacies of the 2020 election. Thank you and have a